many people uh, think about the financial situation in the world and they feel very insecure. Some people feel insecure because they think the oxygen is running out. People feel insecure because of the, uh, the um, general security of the world. Um, people thought that after World War II, when they made the United Nations, then everything's now like, you know, all set up, and so they fixed up all the world's problems. And they discovered that they haven't discovered, fixed all the world's problems, and people don't feel, feel um, secure also mm-hmm. because of the energy sources, or clean energy, energy what's going to happen. And, and also now privately, people don't feel secure because they're concerned about very legitimate things that, that are very important. They're worried about their relationships, they're worried about their health, they're worried about their personal finances. And, uh, and the uh, Jewish people this week are also in a state of total insecurity. In front of them is the sea, in the back of them is the Egyptians, and they have nowhere to go and they're in a state of absolute insecurity. So the Torah says that God told Moshe Rabbeinu to stretch out his staff, and immediately a miracle happens. The wind blows and all night, and the water splits. Then God tells Moshe Rabbeinu to put his staff upon the water again, and the water goes upon all the Egyptians. So when the water goes back over the Egyptians, the Torah says the water goes back to its strength, the etano, to its strength. Balaturim says that the word strength is also related to the word, the same letters as the word litnao, to its condition. Well, what's the meaning of the word condition? So Talmud says that when God created the Reed Sea, made a condition with it. He says, listen, I'm going to create you. You get to flow with your water for as long as, as long as you can, as long as you like. However, there's a condition. The condition is when the Jewish people arrive there, you're going to have to split. That's the condition God made with it. Now the obvious question is, why does God need to make a condition? Making a condition shows weakness. It shows that he's not in control. And he has to make a condition so the Reed Sea should agree, and oh, you know, this is a condition. If you, if you uh, get to take one of these hamburgers, they're making a condition, I'm only going to take you if I could put... Don't, don't put any relish, just mustard and ketchup. Anyways, but you don't make a condition, it's your hamburger, you put whatever you want on it. How come I should make a condition with the, with the Reed Sea? What, what's it you making a condition? What does that mean? It seems to show that he's not in control. If you have a home, you could add a, add a room to your home if you could afford it, you could take away a room, you could make another floor, whatever. But you, you don't need to make a condition with it when you buy the home. If you sell them, it's different, because when you sell them, you're relinquishing ownership. So then you make a condition with the buyer about how what the conditions are about the sale of the home. But Hashem is in control. It's His, it's his world. You conditions with the home. Huh? Now, right. The buyer, with the buyer. Right, exactly. So what's the idea of Hashem making a condition with the, with the sea? What, he, he created the sea. What, what does that mean? So there's something very profound over here that could really open up a world for each of us in our, in our lives. And uh, God willing... Tonight, we're going to walk away from this room feeling very, very secure. Okay. Oh. And hopefully before that, we'll Mashiach in Yerushalayim. Oh, so, there are two kinds of miracles that God performs. There are miracles like Hanukkah and miracles like Purim. Miracles like Hanukkah means miracles that are above nature completely. You see with your eyes the miracles happening. You see the, the, the candle is supposed to last for one day and it lasts for eight. And there are miracles like Purim where the whole miracle is garbed within nature. You don't see a miracle happen. There's something about miracles beyond nature that gets us very excited. We see openly and clearly that Hashem is doing something. 
But on the other hand, the miracle which is beyond nature is sort of kind, it's, a, it's a deficiency in a way. Why is it a deficiency? It shows God's power, but also shows his weakness, it, it seems. It doesn't show fully his power. Let me explain. Let's say when God took the staff of Moses and he turned the staff of Moses into a snake. So on the one hand, that shows his infinite power. The staff is a staff. A moment before, God now changes the staff to becoming a snake. It shows how God can change the staff and turn it into a snake. It shows Hashem is infinite. He's not limited to the rules of nature. On the other hand, the staff as it is a staff is not, the, is not a snake. It, so to speak, the staff wants to be a staff, and God superimposes upon his staff his will, and he changes the staff from being a staff to being a snake. So if you were to ask the staff, what, what do you want to be, so to speak, the staff is a staff. It's kind of like an employer yelling at his employees. The employees are not subservient to the employer. And that's why he has to assert his authority over the employees, because they're not subservient. If they were to be subservient, then they would just do what he wants automatically. So the fact that God has to take it, break the nature of the thing sort of shows that there is something about it that's resisting this, this, the will of God. And therefore, God has to break its nature. And this is the idea of the condition that God made with the, with the sea. The truth is that, it says in the wisest of all men, King Solomon said that, Whatever it was is what will be. There's nothing that's new under the sun. There's something different about God's original creation of the world than all the things that man have created throughout history. There's been a lot of dramatic changes in the world throughout history. Before um, Columbus sailed to America, people thought that there were no, the world was flat. People thought there were no people living on the side of the world. People were saying if there are people on the side of the world, they may fall off the world because, you know, we're on the top, they're on the bottom, they're going to fall off. People actually, not just people thought this. The, the Catholic Church... Something was this, History repeats itself. But it's, you're right, it's pretty impressive. People could still... Anyways. So the Catholic Church had a rule. They, had a, they really made a rule. There's a law they made that if anyone would dare say that there are people living on the other side of the world, they are going to be killed. They, they executed. You can't say that. It's Lahavdil. We knew the whole time that there was that there was people outside the world because we had the Talmud, we had the Zohar. And the Zohar says that there are people on the top, people on the bottom, and uh, but it was a total it was a, it was a total discovery. If someone never saw the ocean, never saw fish in the ocean, for him to imagine that life could only exist inside the ocean, it's a very it's a it's a fascinating concept. We've never heard of it before. Um, a tree coming out of a seed. If you ever saw a tree growing out of a seed, never knew about that, it, 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 it'd be hard to believe that, 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 that that's something that could really happen. And in a similar way, all the, but the truth is that that's not really new. It's God created, created the world with all of this yesh meyesh. Yesh meyesh means something coming from something, including all of the fascinating things that technology, as Rebbe said, before Mashiach will come, technology will go very, very fast. And he said more that technology will go the fastest in regards to communication because Mashiach will come and the world will be like one family. So to prepare for Mashiach, communication will be the fastest um, thing that will develop in technology. So we see phones, internet, all this, all this good stuff. It's not new. It's not something which, which is never... Hashem created the, all the materials. And man has taken the potential from these things and make, made something out of it. But it's not something that's new. However... 
When God created the world, it was brand new. It wasn't here. And He made it, now it's here. And when God made the world, He right away said the purpose of why He made the world. In the very first word in the Torah. The first word in the Torah is Bereshit. Bereshit. Talmud says, Bereshit means first. There are two things which, which are called first. The Jewish people are called first. And the Torah is called first. So God made the world for the sake of the Torah and for the sake of our people. For the sake of the Jewish people keeping the Torah. And Hashem created the world out of nothing with this, in, with this, with this intent. So that's why it's always possible in any part of the world that you're in, whatever what's going on in your life, wherever you are, whatever's going on, no matter how uh, annoying it may seem, in that place that you're in, you're able to reveal godliness. You're able to reveal spirituality. Because that's what the world is about. That's what every point of the world is about. It's about godliness. It's from Hashem, and it's for a godly purpose. That's what that Arizal means when he says that everything in the world has a soul. It doesn't mean that everything in the world has um, life, in the sense of a human being having life. But everything has a soul. The soul means it has a godly power that makes it exist. And the godly power is there for a godly purpose. So the same is also with the Reed Sea. The purpose of the sea, yes, to give water, etc. But, but no, then there's, it's, God says, here's the condition. I'm making the condition, you're going to flow, and you're going to give water, but when the Jewish people come there, you're going to split. When the sea splits, that's when it gets its greatest power. Because that's when it comes in touch with its, what, it's, what it's meant to be. So unlike the analogy I said before about the staff, where, where it looks like the staff is losing itself to, to do God's will, it's not being a staff anymore, it's going away from itself. The truth is that when the sea split, it's becoming itself. It's going closer to its inner purpose. It's going closer to what it's really all about the whole time. It's not, going, it's not breaking for the sake of God's will. It's getting stronger for the sake of God's will. That's why the Hebrew word strength is the same letter as the word condition. When the sea fulfills the condition and it splits, it's getting stronger. That's its greatest strength. It's revealing its inner vitality of what it's about. It's revealing its godly, godly force. It's revealing its soul. And uh, I mentioned last night that there's this um, study in Israel on human behavior called Efrat. Efrat is an acronym of uh, four things. Aleph stands for Irua. And remember what Fei stands for? Ar- Irua means event. Fei stands for Parshanut, which means a narrative you tell yourself from the event. And Resh stands for Regish, the feelings you have because of the narrative. And finally, Tkuva, your response to this. So, Yankel doesn't say Shalom Aleichem to me. And I'm insulted. Why isn't he saying every Friday night he comes and say Shalom Aleichem? So I'm thinking, why isn't he saying Shalom Aleichem? Why isn't he saying Shalom Aleichem? There's more than one. Everyone has their Yankel. And I'm thinking, well, he doesn't say Shalom Aleichem because he doesn't like me, he doesn't respect me, I don't mean anything to him. That's why he's not saying Shalom Aleichem. One day I muster up enough courage to say, Yankel, how come you don't say Shalom Aleichem to me? He says, Rabbi, because every, because one week you, I was standing with a group of people, and you just gave your hand to every one of them except for me. That means you don't like me. You don't respect me. So if you don't respect me, so I don't respect you. And so, so what do you need to do? You need to go to say hello to Yankel first. And make sure that this is all, you know, because our feelings have to do with our narrative. The event is the event. The event happened. I didn't give Shem Lechem. Okay. But that wasn't really what was going on. I just, I just happened to not realize that, that I didn't give Shem Lechem. It wasn't really what... So our feelings are product of our narrative. And this is the power that God gives each person, the power of imagination. The power of imagination allows us to, to change the narrative of any circumstance, to see deep, more deeply what is really going on, to not look at things externally, and look at things more deeply. 
Queen Esther, as was mentioned last night, when she was taken to the church of Achashverosh, she was taken to the king, and all of a sudden in this church of all the idols, she suddenly lost her divine inspiration. She suddenly lost her ability to see the future and to feel in touch with Hashem in the same way she did as a prophetess. She didn't feel that way. So what did she say? She said the words of King David in Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you left me? And it's a good thing for a Jew to feel that he could talk to Hashem and talk to Hashem how he feels. And you're supposed to. And because Hashem is our father and you're supposed to speak to Hashem like you speak to a father and you can say why. But her question wasn't just why. Another way of reading her question that the Hasidic master says, her question was, Lema Azabtani. For what purpose did you leave me? I am now in a situation where I don't see you, I don't feel you, and I'm in the dark. There's something you want to accomplish over here. There's something that you have an intent over here, and I want to ask you, Hashem, Lema, what's that purpose? I'm thinking what that purpose is. Every moment of our lives is a note. You can't create more the notes than there are. There's Do, Re, Mi, Fa, Sol, La, Ti, Do, and that's it. And every moment of our life is ordained. You can't make the change the notes. What you can change is, is your narrative of the notes. That's the meaning of the words of King David, sing to Hashem a new song. The song is created by the way you arrange the notes. How do you arrange the notes? By singing to Hashem, by looking above the here and now, I'll sing a new song. Baruch Hashem. How many notes? Right. This is maybe perhaps a good analogy, right? If, if, if you're giving a talk and someone has the phone rings, you could say, oh my gosh, what a chutzah, why do you put on a vibrate? We're going, oh, that's great. It fits right into what we're talking about, right? If, 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 whatever. It has to do with, with stopping and thinking, what is Hashem's purpose for what is going on? So, this is... The definition of the word narrative. What's the meaning of that? The definition, yeah. Narrative means uh, the words that you use to explain um, to yourself why, why what's going on. Parashanut. Interpretation? No, there's event. It's interpretation. But how you interpret the, the event. Right, right. Right, exactly. So, so the truth is that every creature in the world, everything that God made, is for the sake of Torah and the Jewish people. And when you have that perspective, that just like God split the Red Sea, the purpose of Torah, for the purpose of the Jewish people, and that's what God does for everything in the world, that everything in the world is going to follow God's plan, so you feel, as Baal Shanto says, Shivisi Hashem Nagyusama. King David says in Tehillim, I have put Hashem before me at all times. Shivisi says about Shamta means hishtavut. Shav means equanimity. You feel equal. In every situation, you ha- it's possible for a person to feel, as Baal teaches, this kind of serenity that you're, you feel you're in Hashem's hands no matter what's going on because you know there's a purpose. You know that's not happening by itself. I- I'm not saying it's an easy thing to feel all the time, but that's the tool you need to think about in order to, to have that serenity, to feel that you're, you're in Hashem's hands. There are people who are more gifted, like Yankel. Another Yankel. Yankel is waiting, his mother's waiting for him to come home from school. It's four o'clock, and there's a, there's a rainstorm, and there's thunder, and there's lightning. She's worried about a poor little Yankel. What's going to happen to my little Yankel? He's coming home from school, he's supposed to be here four o'clock. It's a rainstorm, she wants to, she doesn't know what to do. And Yankel comes in the middle of the rain, and he's skipping, and he's jumping, and he's smiling, and he, every, whenever the thunder, uh, the white lightning comes, he sticks his head up and he smiles at the sky. He says, Yankel! He takes off his jacket and, and, and warms him up. And, and Yankel, I'm so impressed that you were so happy, not scared in the rain and the thunder. Why aren't you scared? He says, Mommy, you taught me. Wherever you go, you're going with God. I'm going with God. Why should you feel scared? I'm going with God. So Yankel, why would you look, look in the sky when there was, there was lightning and smiling? Mommy, you always told me you have to smile for the camera. 
When God's taking the picture, I got a smile. That's that's a that's a more sophisticated approach the Yankel has. I don't think that's, that 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 um, we are naturally in the level of Yankel, but that's the level we need to get to, and that's why Hashem specifically taught us this message by the splitting of the Reed Sea. Why this is true for everything, but it doesn't say that every, about everything in the world that its strength is its is its. It's, there are many miracles that happen. There were ten plagues. There were ten plagues. But only about this does the Torah say fulfill this condition. Why, about that? Why specifically about the, the splitting of the Reed Sea? Why doesn't it say about the other ten plagues? It says about the splitting of the Reed Sea it was hard for God. When the Talmud says that God makes matches between people, God arranges Shaduchim, God said, the Talmud says it's as hard for God to make a Shaduch as hard as it is to split the Reed Sea. Why does, why does the Talmud say that's hard? What about blood and frogs and lice? They're not hard? Well, this was a harder one? What, what, what does it mean it's hard? So Maral says something unbelievable. The Maral says, that the Talmud says that when God split the Reed Sea, all the water in the world split. Everything. You were in a bathtub, all of a sudden the water in the bathtub split. You went up into a pool, oops, you better go back on the diving board. So, what happened is, says the Maral, Hashem didn't just change the actual water, Hashem changed the ten utterances with which he made the world. Hashem changed the very fiber of the spirituality of that, of that created the physical world. He changed the ten utterances. So now water, it's not like the, the water, the water split because that's what water does. And then, it's not just the, there was a miracle the water split. That's the nature of the water now. Nature of the water is to stand like a, to stand. Or, and, and it was a, it was a, a double miracle because the, on the one hand the water split and it was like another people could still drink, drink from the water as it says in the Talmud that when they walk, they crossed the Reed Sea they could stick their hand in and drink from the water too. So it, it was, that became the new, it was a new phenomenon. It was some, in other words, not that Hashem made a miracle to change something. Hashem changed the DNA of the world for the sake of the Jewish people. Hashem revealed to us at the beginning of the, at the spring of the Red Sea, at the very nature of the world itself is the creation of God and for you. Let's bring this home a little bit. L'chaim, l'chaim, And not everyone was able to make it to this part of the Fabrengen. So I, I, I can share with you a new story I didn't share with you yet. Rabbi, uh, Rabbi um, Lipschitz, we used to live in the Ukraine. He, um, he was a emissary there. It was one year before Passover. He had a big calamity. What was the calamity? Calamity was that he had 10 donors that were giving him $18,000 every month to help him support all the different activities he had in the various cities of the Ukraine. And all these, eight, all these 10 donors all of a sudden had different things that happened to their businesses and they couldn't support his work anymore. One by one, they all all stopped, and he had the last two. I think the last two also moved to Israel. Stuff happened, and he's now like he has to make Passover in ten cities, and has no to do. So he decides he's going to go to America to uh, collect funds for Passover Seder. So uh, for whenever, whatever, and you know it's Passover. So he has a list of people he wants to visit. He arrives in New York, and he wakes up in the morning, and his phone is broken. Not just it's dead, it's really dead. It's gone. Okay. I mean, his wife has a list. She'll call up his wife. His wife calls the house he's staying in. Hi, uh, you don't believe what happened. Our computer broke. It's all gone. It's all over. The whole memory's erased. There's no cloud. There's no shlub. It's all gone. So he didn't want to dishearten his wife and tell her, well, that's actually why I wanted to speak to you. <laughs> because my phone died and I need to have the information. He's stuck. He's stuck. But we know Jews never stuck. 
Because God created the world for the sake of the Torah, for the sake of the Jewish people. Therefore, a Jew is never stuck. As I've told those women who were, who, were in the, who were stuck in Detroit, Sorry. they thought they were stuck in Detroit. This is a, it, it, you hear a story, you could hear a story and it goes in one ear out the other, or it could change your life. Debbie said a Jew is never stuck. Wherever you are is where you're meant to be. And, and, and it's a whole different way of living. Anyways, getting back to Belichitz, he has to buy 20 tickets for, 10, for 20 yeshiva students to make 10 Passover seders in, in 10 villages in the Ukraine. So you, he has to get the money for this, and, and he's supposed to and he's 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 uh, supposed to meet the travel agent. He goes out of the home he's staying, and he turns to God and he says to God, "There's only two things that could happen right now. If you want your children to have a Passover seder, so there's going to be a sack of cash that's suddenly going to appear, <laughs> and there, there <laughs> and out of the sack of cash is going to be enough money for twenty uh, tickets to, to, to the Ukraine." The other option is that your children will not have a Passover Seder. So what do you want to do, God? So the, the uh, sack didn't appear, and he walked towards the, um, the travel agent. And when he got to the travel agent's office, he still had old money from the year before. He didn't pay all completely. It was still a balance. And the travel agent wanted to talk to him, and the secretary said, well, he just stepped out for a second. Please wait, wait in the waiting room. He's sitting in the waiting room. He's looking around the various things that are in the waiting room, and there's a little sign in the waiting room. The sign says, don't tell God how big your problems are. Tell your problems how big your God is. When he saw that sign, it gave him such an energy that he, when he met the travel agent, the travel agent had no doubt that this man would be able to produce the, the funds needed for this, for this and, get, and extend the credit. What, happened, what, what, it, what it means is like this. Ordinarily, what do we do? We have a problem. And we say, Hashem, how me from these problems? So, and we say, Hashem, these problems are breaking me, these problems are hurting me, these problems are, are putting me down. Please save me from my problems. This, what the sign said is the opposite. You turn to the problems, you take to the problems, you think that these problems can break me? I'm going with Hashem. I'm an emissary of the Rebbe. I have a mission to do in this world. This can't break me. I'm going on a mission for Hashem. It's not possible. It's not going to be successful. That's the meaning of the splitting of the Reed Sea. Splitting the Reed Sea means, think about it. Think about people who have been, we've all been through earthquakes, if you're living in Southern California, Baruch Hashem, but there are people who went through earthquakes that, that really traumatized them, that they remember the moment, and the reason that they remember the moment is because everything is not secure. They, even the ground they're standing on is not secure. It's a whole, it's, 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 it's a stunning event. You don't know what to do. It's astonishing. <coughs> when it, they had the splitting of the Reed Sea, what happened? A tree is not a tree. The ocean, the sea is not a sea. The whole world melted away in front of their eyes, and it was as if it, it's not there. It's, it, nature is not nature. They suddenly felt that the world is not the way it seemed. And what is the world? It's a creation of God. And that's what God wanted them to hold on to throughout their lives. It should make an impression on them, an impression on us, that we should feel that nature is not a thing. That God created nature. And the reason God created nature in every circumstance we're in is for the sake of Torah, for the sake of the Jewish people, and therefore it's not possible for there to be something, you have to be in a situation where there isn't a purpose of God in that situation, where you don't have a mission to do. It's not possible, your mission is not going to be achieved, because God created the world for the sake of your mission. After Yom Kippur War, Rabbi Shalmer Lau was in an audience with the Rebbe, and the Rebbe asked him, what's the conversation in Israel? What's the feeling in Israel? And he's told the Rebbe in Israel, the conversation is, what's going to be? Are we going to have to suffer with this terror? Are there going to be more wars? What's going to happen to us? 
And the Rebbe said, a Jew doesn't ask what will be. A Jew asks, what am I meant to do? That's the question of a Jew is supposed to ask. I have a mission. I'm supposed to accomplish something. Hashem has a mission for me. And that's why it says that at the, at the splitting of the Reed Sea, it says, a maidservant, the splitting of the Reed Sea, saw what the prophet Yechaskel couldn't see. It says there was a splitting of the sea in heaven, splitting of the sea on earth. Why did the maidservant see that Yechaskel didn't see? Yechaskel saw stuff happening in the spiritual world. Yechaskel saw stuff happening, the things we read about in books, in Ganeidin, in Atsilus. That's what Yechaskel saw. What the maidservant should see. She saw the world itself is not what it seems. That was something that was phenomenal. That was something that was impressive. That's what something that the Hashem wanted us to hold on to. And that's why at the end of the Spring of the Red Sea, what does the Torah say? Moses caused them to travel. They couldn't travel by themselves. Hashem wanted them to travel with this experience. This is how we're supposed to travel through life. By Yasa Moshe Atam. Moshe made them travel. They had difficulties later and they complained about this and that because they didn't, they didn't they forgot somewhat with this experience. But Hashem wanted them to stay with that, that experience. Because the splitting of the Red Sea on a personal level means you sing to Hashem a new song. You're in a situation, and you, there's a sea of thoughts, and you split the sea, and you say, Hashem has a purpose here, and that purpose is going to be fulfilled. And, this, and, and that, that conviction that you know that Hashem, the Torah and the mitzvahs that need, you need to accomplish are going to be accomplished, that itself, that itself reveals God's purpose in creation. It reveals a you're able to reveal the godliness in your situation where you, where you are by, by making that firm resolve that Hashem's intent, Hashem's mission is going to be achieved. Hashem give each of us the strength to, uh, to uh, be in touch with, with the splitting of the Red Sea on a personal level. And we should see the splitting of the Red Sea as the Talmud says, the, the Prophet says, when Mashiach will come, there will also be a similar kind of event when Hashem will reveal the energy of Hashem in creation, the physical world, we'll see it tonight. Recorded, Mamish. Chaim, Chaim. What's the feeling?